Hour three, it's happy hour here on the morning after on Sports Grid. You're listening on Sirius XM channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. We call it happy hour because we're going to give out some picks. Major League Baseball's in action. We've got games on the slate today. Some great early leans, K props, etc. Also, some great guests. We're going to have David Bierman of ESPN.com to break down the Ryder Cup coming up this weekend. In addition to gambling 101 with one of the sharpest men in Las Vegas, Bill Krakenberger. I said it on Friday. I said the National League, the wild card race, the National League West, it's going to be a crazy race. And I was going to have one TV dedicated to Major League Baseball on Sunday. Did that happen? No, I didn't do it. But it was it is worth the conversation that Major League Baseball is still very, very present. The National League wild card race is Crazy. You've got the Cincinnati Reds three games back of the St. Louis Cardinals, the Philadelphia Phillies four and a half games back, but also still in the running for the National League East Division, and then the San Diego Padres sitting there four games back behind St. Louis. Ben, if I were to have told you a month ago the St. Louis Cardinals were going to be the second wild card team, would you have believed me? No, not at all. But then St. Louis won nine straight games on which they are currently on. The first time they have won nine straight games since 2004. That's 17 years. What a time for it to happen for the Redbirds right now who are playing their best baseball of the entirety of this season. And Ariel, yesterday it finally happened. We have been asking for it for about a month. And on the FanDuel Sportsbook yesterday, in the middle of the afternoon, on a Monday in early September, or late September rather, as we are getting to the home stretch of this Major League Baseball season, the FanDuel Sportsbook put up make-miss playoff odds for Major League Baseball. And now they are off the FanDuel Sportsbook once again. I hope you were up and looking at the FanDuel Sportsbook yesterday, because here is how the odds looked in comparison to the standings in the National League wildcard race. The Cardinals have a three-game lead. They were minus 230 yesterday. The Reds, who are three games back, were plus 310. The Phillies, who are four and a half games back of the NL wildcard, but just three games back of the NL East, were plus 182. The San Diego Padres, Ariel, who were four games back or are four games back of that second and final NL wildcard spot, are plus 1260. Did you ever think we would see the San Diego Padres to make the playoffs at plus 1260 at any point of this 2021 Major League Baseball season? It's just crazy. The San Diego Padres were supposed to be the second best team in baseball, the second best team in the National League. Their win total is going to go way under. It was in the 90s, the high 90s. And now you're sitting there with San Diego and trying to just make the playoffs. We thought this race was going to be between the Padres and the Dodgers for the National League West. It turns out the San Francisco Giants still have the number one spot in the National League West. There's going to be two really interesting things. You're going to have the one spot in the National League where one team doesn't deserve that wild card spot. They deserve to have home field advantage. Then you're going to have the second spot, which is just a race to the finish as to who's going to go into that number two spot and have to face the second best team in the National League, potentially the second best team in baseball in a wild card game. Ben, you mentioned this last week. You said you and your friends were talking about how that number one wild card spot should just go into the divisional series. Like, this shouldn't even be a wild card game for whoever has to go to that one spot. It's just the way Major League Baseball is. If you don't win your division, you're stuck in the wild card. Welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience, third final hour here on the morning after. Sirius XM, Channel 204, the Mightier 1090 on the West Coast. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. I laugh every time I look at the West Coast, at the uh, the National League wildcard race because, Ben, 
you have the Dodgers right now, 13 and a half games up on the second place team to make the na- the National League wild card. I mean, despite the fact the Cardinals have won nine straight games, they are still so far back of the Dodgers for that top spot in the NL wild card. That is why my roommates and myself had that discussion. Should there even be a wild card game when one team is so substantially in front of the other team? When you look at the American League, you have three teams out of the AL East all within two games of each other, battling for the two AL wildcard spots. But that is not the case in the National League. And that's why when you see those odds, and we had the make-miss playoff odds up yesterday on FanDuel, there was only one team that was in minus money category, that being the St. Louis Cardinals, who were minus 230. Now with a full three-game lead over the Cincinnati Reds, I think the Cardinals would even be a longer favorite to make the National League wild card, maybe at like minus 310, minus 315 today, because the Reds, who beat the Pirates yesterday, whoop de doo lost six of their last eight entering yesterday's game against Pittsburgh. You have the Cardinals, who have won nine straight. The Phillies have lost two straight. The Padres have lost three straight in eight of their last 10. So it seems pretty dismal for San Diego. That's why they're plus 1260. Philly at plus 182. That takes into account the shot they might have of winning the National League East. I'm not so sure about that right now. Atlanta, a minus 450 odds on favorite to win that division on FanDuel. It seems like it's going to be the Cardinals who are minus 230 yesterday, Ariel. Today, if the odds were still up on FanDuel, I think they'd be like minus $3 at least right now to make the NL wildcard. Crazy run for the St. Louis Cardinals currently. Cincinnati Reds had that spot in their grasp. And they lost hold now three games back. I'm really excited to see how the season shapes up, not only in the National League, the American League wildcard race is also crazy. You've got two team, three teams, excuse me, out of the same division trying to fight for a spot up there at the top. And it's not too far behind with everybody else. But to watch the Yankees, Red Sox, and Rays battle it, or excuse me, the Yankees, Red Sox, and Jays battle it out, it's going to be a crazy finish for the major league baseball season we're going to give out some major league baseball picks for later today coming up a little bit later this hour first espn.com's david bierman coming up next to talk Ryder cup sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com On the morning after on Sports Grid, it is Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Joining us now from ESPN.com, it is David Bierman to break down the Ryder Cup. The Ryder Cup starts on Friday. There are already options on the FanDuel Sportsbook of ways to bet it. Yet, David, this line's been out for quite some time. There's also two different options on the FanDuel Sportsbook. First, there's outright draw, no bet, where Team USA is minus 245. Then there's to lift the trophy, where Team USA is minus 166. First, let's start there. What's the difference between those two bets? Well, basically, it takes the tie out of the equation. It's kind of like a soccer play here where you could bet a team to advance. You can bet a team to raise the trophy. And, you know, if you do the three-way market and you're betting USA or Ryder or, or Europe, 
there's always that tie, that draw that, that, that you get in golf as well. In this case, the draw means the European team does keep the cup. But in betting lingo, if you bet it three-way and it's a draw, everybody loses unless you bet the draw. Um, you can just bet who's going to lift the trophy, and that's more of your traditional two-way betting. Either the USA wins and raises the trophy or the European team wins and raises the trophy. And that takes basically the draw out of the equation, and one team is going to win. And in that case, if it's a draw, then the European team keeps the cup, and that gives a slight advantage to them. Therefore, that's why the odds are a little skewed in that direction. David, Team USA opened up at about a minus 190, minus 195 favorite. Right now, Team USA minus 245 in that outright no-draw situation. Why have the odds moved more in the Americans' favor, despite the fact that the U.S. has lost four of the last five Ryder Cups? Well, I'm actually surprised at how much it has moved. You know, it's obviously it's in the United States. We are patriotic, this country. You know, we're at a time where we want to root for USA, and people are just going to blindly bet the USA. You also look at the team makeup, and Steve Stricker, the captain, didn't you know didn't hide his enthusiasm for just taking bombers left and right. Scotty Scheffler made the team, obviously, as a captain's pick. But Bryson's out there, JT, Xander, all these guys can hit it far, and whistling straights is a course where you need to hit the ball far. So the mixture of bombers on the USA team, it being in the USA, and people wanting to root for their own country has basically pushed that up. I'm not necessarily sure it's going the right direction because you're talking about a European team that knows how to win this event. And if you actually look at the course, if you get past the fact that it is a bomber's paradise, it's also a link-style course. It's a course that you would think you would see in Scotland where these European players know how to play it. They're more of a team. We've talked about it all year long with Bryson and Kepka and all these guys. And, you know, Patrick Reed could have been an issue with his attitude, but he's not on the team. There are five first-timers on the USA team. So I'm not in love with minus 245 or 254, a not necessarily a good team. You heard what Kepka said last week about the event in general taking away from his nap time, so to speak, all the meetings he has to go to. But the European team doesn't deal with that. They are a team. And they play like a team, and that is a cause for concern heading into an event like this. With this event being abroad, how do you how do you figure out which golfers to go and back in this event? A lot of this is going to depend on on the matchups, and and unfortunately, unlike other events where we have a list of all the pairings by now, the the, the captains obviously aren't going to release it this early, and we don't know what the matchups are. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to wait for that, and we'll see what kind of team that Steve Stricker puts together out there for those foursomes early on Friday morning because the no-brainer one is to put Spieth with JT as they've combined to do awesome in every Ryder Cup and President's Cup the last half a decade. But we don't know if that's what Stricker's going to do because he also has five first-timers that he needs to mix these veterans like JT um, and Bryson and others in with. So we'll see the dynamic. I'm going to look for good pairings and seeing what he does. And and this is a very weird event to bet because you don't really know what they're going to do until they do it because the pairings aren't announced that early, especially for the afternoon pairings for the, for the, uh, for the four ball and then going forward to the singles. So a lot of it to me is a wait and see and then live bet. You know, this is the type of situation where if you really want the USA team, you should probably wait and see if they do what they always do and get behind early because then those odds will come down and you can get a better price on them. And at the same time, if you think Europe can rally from a big deficit, you'll get huge odds there. So to me, this is more of a wait-and-see type event. What are the pairings? What are the matchups? What are the the captains going to do? And then play it live from there. 
David, I think when you're scrolling the FanDuel Sportsbook right now, you'll see some options you don't necessarily normally see when you bet on golf. Four balls, foursomes. Can you explain the format for people maybe not as familiar with the Ryder Cup? Sure. It's basically three things. And and the last day is singles. That's self-explanatory. You're playing one-on-one, one one from each team, and you get a point if you win it, a half point if you draw. Uh, The foursomes versus the four ball, the foursomes are going to start out with on Friday and Saturday morning is alternate shot. It's what we talked about when we laughed and joked that Kepka and and Bryson should be together. Uh, They won't be, but it's alternate shot where you're playing one ball and somebody drives, somebody hits the next shot and like, you know, continues sort of like what we saw uh, when when Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady played with with, with Bryson and Phil, where they're playing each other's ball the whole way. The afternoon is going to be four ball where it's like best ball that you do when you play in your local municipal tournament where it's it's better ball where you're both going to drive and then you're going to go play the best shot and then you're going to go actually sorry correct me it's going to be low score i was thinking something else low score where whoever has the lowest score of the hole wins the hole so if there are three pars and a birdie the team with the birdie wins the hole for that and then they go on to the next one I'm also looking at points. On FanDuel, there's a way to go bet Ryder Cup points, and you've got the top combined point scorer with John Rahm sitting there at 7-1, to one, the shortest odds, Justin Thomas plus 750, and Jordan Spieth plus 950. How do you attack that market, David? It all depends on the pairing. So you, you don't won't want to attack it now. You're probably going to wait and see who they get paired up with. John Rahm is paired up with someone like Sergio Garcia, who was excellent in this event. Then, yeah, I'm going to probably bet on Rahm to be one of the top points guys. Keep in mind, these guys can only control so much because they're playing with teammates, and half the time they're going to be playing someone else's ball, and the other time they're playing their own ball, but they also have to make sure that they win the hole as opposed to the singles where it's one-on-one. So the points market to me is a stay away until I know exactly what the matchups are, and that's how I'm going to play it. David, you mentioned a bunch of new faces for the Americans. There is a rookies market on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Who are a couple names for casual sports bettors to look out for this weekend in Wisconsin? Scotty Scheffler's the one that I'm looking at. If you watched him in the WGC event where he lost to Billy Horschel in the match play, he was a guy who who really played well in match play, which is what this event is, whether it's team or individual. And you could see how good he hits the ball off the tee, and this is the type of course that you need to do that. He's also the only non-winner on the USA team right now. He hasn't won a PGA Tour event, but he doesn't have to win the event. He just has to win his matchup. So Scheffler is one of the rookies that – that made the team because of how long he is off the tee and his ability to play well in a match play type environment. And I'm, I'm eager to see how he does this in one. And of course, the guy who always shows up at every premier event is, is Xander Shoffley. The guy plays well at every major, every WGC. He won the Olympic gold. He's never made the Ryder Cup team, so this is his debut. And it kind of going to shock some people that Xander has never made a Ryder Cup team as good as he's been. He just missed it in 2018. Makes it this year, coming off an Olympic gold medal. That's a rookie I'm going to watch as well. I think those two are the key to whether the USA team can win this on on home soil. Telling you, Connecticut, they're going to be really asking for it when David Bierman has access to live betting on the PGA. And when you have that live betting option, because Connecticut, by the way, in the next month or so, should have mobile wagering. That aside, David, how would you live bet the Ryder Cup? Only about a minute left you got to be watching it and, and sitting down and watching the event and see how these guys are playing. Uh, it's a totally different environment when you're playing live betting, watching how they're doing, looking at what holes are coming up, whether it's a good par three player, a good long player, where are the hazards, what type of thing that, that what type of 
how the team environment is doing. And of course, there are fans this year um, and the fans will make it a little bit different on, on both squads. So see how they're playing, see how the team environment's going and whether it's a good partner or not. And, and then, of course, Sunday is singles play. There's nothing better than betting the singles head to head. And, you know, we've done that during the match play and I look forward to doing it, doing it again on Sunday. Keep an eye on the odds on the FanDuel Sportsbook. New markets will pop up. David Bierman always popping up here on a Trusted Capper Tuesday. Thanks for joining us. Catch him at ESPN.com. We'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. Coming up next, Major League Baseball picks. Stay on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. On the morning after on Sports Grid, it is Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Make sure to check us out on social media, Sports Grid and Sports Grid TV, two separate handles. You can check all of the latest, anything you may have missed from the show, and we're always giving you the edge. Now it's time to get to Major League Baseball, which means we've got to address some props. Let's get to the props market, our favorite props for baseball. It's time for K-Props. One of my favorite props, uh, and the trends too, by the way. One of my favorite trends when it comes to K-props, and thank you to Mid-Major Matt for pointing it out, it's strikeout unders in Coors Field. I've been waiting for the Colorado Rockies to finally get back home. They finally are tonight, and they're facing the Los Angeles Dodgers. The man that Ben Stevens loves to talk about is on the mound. It's Julio Urias. The problem is that the Colorado Rockies don't strike out when they're at home. The Rockies... Although they have the 20th K rate, they strike out 22.5% of the time overall. When they're at home in Coors Field, the Rockies have the second lowest strikeout rate in baseball. They strike out just under 20% of the time. It's a very low number, and anything below 20% in K rate is very low. Urias, his prop, on, his prop around the market, the last I saw, was a 5.5. He's averaging when on the road against a team that has a bottom 10 K rate when playing in their home ballpark. I know that sounds a little confusing. Teams like the Rockies, who don't strike out a lot at home, who are bottom 10 in K rate. Urias is averaging just over four strikeouts a game when he's on the road in those stadiums. I'm going to say under five and a half strikeouts today for Urias, Ben. Julio Urias, the only 18 game winner in all of Major League Baseball. The Dodgers 23 and six this year when Julio Rios starts a game for L.A., but I don't mind the very strong trend of unders in strikeout components at Coors Field. The total also at 11. Coors Field actually home to a majority of unders this year, despite being played at altitude, a common misconception about playing baseball at altitude in Denver, Colorado. Now, Ariel, there's a strikeout prop that is very intriguing to me today. In fact, I was kind of blown away by the number and the juice on said number it's a battle of the rogers between miami and washington today josh rogers the starter for the nationals trevor rogers the starter for the marlins both of these guys 
are lefties. And I focused on Josh Rogers, the Washington starter today against the Marlins, because the Marlins have the highest K rate against left-handed pitching in all of Major League Baseball this year at more than 28%. It is, in fact, 2% higher than the team with the second highest K rate against lefties, the Chicago Cubs. That's at 28.1%. That's what the Marlins are striking out all year long against left-handed pitching. In fact, in the last two weeks, it goes even up by more than 2.5% to 30.6% against left-handed pitching. Now, Josh Rogers has only made three starts this year for the Washington Nationals. He has had five strikeouts against the Mets, one strikeout, uh, one strikeout against the Pirates, and then six strikeouts in his last start against these very Miami Marlins. The strikeout prop that FanDuel has posted for Josh Rogers today is four and a half. The juice over plus 152, the under minus 196. That's a very, very intriguing number with very intriguing juice to me on that number of four and a half. Josh Rogers has gone over that number of four and a half in two of his three starts this year, including against the Miami Marlins just last week. I'm not sure why the over has that much plus money to it, but it's a very intriguing price for me to have plus money to something that he has already done, and he has done two of his three starts this year against the Marlins, who are striking out more than 30% against lefties in the last two weeks. I kind of love that. I think it's fantastic. Plus 152 to the over on Josh Rogers and the over the four and a half strikeouts against the Marlins. I think that's really, really fascinating and really, really juicy. When was the last time Rodgers faced him? When was the last time they faced last Miami? Week. His last that's start the only last thing. week, I believe. That would be the only reason why I could see it being in plus money. Just because of giving the bats the advantage of seeing a pitcher for the second time in a week. That's the only reason. I'm not saying that I don't like it. I'm just saying that's the only thing I can make a reason of why it's plus money. Because when you mm. love something so much, it scares me. It does. I always get scared when I say, wow, that number is way too low. But my my thing is, I always bet it. Because like Yanni the Greek always says, just bet good numbers. There is a good number for a pitcher in Cleveland. The Cleveland Indians right-handed pitcher, Cal Quantrill, even though I say it's a good number, it's not a good number for him. It's a great number for me. I like the under five and a half strikeouts on his K-prop. He's up against the Kansas City Royals. The Royals have had a bottom five K rate all year third lowest overall right now in addition to the fifth lowest against right-handed pitchers and the K rate has even gone down to below 20% in the last 30 days it's even gone down further it was around 19% now it's around 18% in the last two weeks Kansas City does not strike out a lot when Quantrill's facing teams that have a bottom 10 K rate against right-handed pitchers he's averaging just over four strikeouts per game with a K prop of five and a half I'm willing to bet an under on Cal Quantrill's prop today Ben Another strikeout prop of four and a half that I very much enjoy is Griffin Jacks, the starter for the Minnesota Twins today against the Chicago Cubs. Now, the Cubs have the highest K rate against right-handed pitching in all of Major League Baseball this year at 27.3%, also up by a percent in the last two weeks to 28.3%. Now, Griffin Jacks is not necessarily a strikeout pitcher, but it's almost a certainty against the Chicago Cubs. You are going to get at least five strikeouts. So with a strikeout prop of four and a half, I don't mind it. Griffin Jacks has had 22 strikeouts combined over his last six starts. That's an average of just 3.7 strikeouts per start under this number of four and a half. But there have been times this year that Griffin Jacks has gone over four and a half. In fact, against a team from Chicago, the Chicago White Sox, he had 10 strikeouts back in the middle part of August. So he does have that potential in there. And against the Cubs, 
who strike out the most in all of Major League Baseball, 27.3% against righties, 28.3% in the last two weeks. The number of four and a half, the juice is even both ways at minus 112 to the over, minus 112 to the under. I think you can get five strikeouts against the Cubs. I might be able to go out there and get five strikeouts against the Cubs. I know the prop queen herself, Ariel Epstein, could go out there and get five strikeouts against the Cubs. So when the number is at four and a half, I think I have to take an over with Griffin Jacks as well. Yeah, the Cubs strikeout props have been very profitable this year. Now, a team that also had really profitable strikeout props this year has been the Tampa Bay Rays if you go up against them. Usually the opposing pitcher has done very well. The difference is in the last month, the Rays have had a 12th-ranked K rate. They've gotten outside of that top 10 for high K rates. Tampa Bay hasn't been striking out much. I looked in the last month, last two weeks. They've been in like the 20s range. They have just, Mm. they've really figured out a way to decrease the strikeouts. That's what scares me because on a normal day, if it was a month ago or even longer, Toronto's right-handed pitcher Alec Manoa, who has a strikeout prop of six and a half, has gone over this number in all three games where he has faced the Tampa Bay Rays this year. He faced them last time out and had 10. He had nine and 10 in the other two starts prior. Again, this is similar to what we were talking about before, Ben, where you said you absolutely love Josh Rogers against the Miami Marlins. Well, I would normally love Alec Manoa, except looking at the six and a half with the plus money to the over, I'm thinking, ooh, his last start was against Tampa Bay. Now he's going up against Tampa Bay again. He struck them out nine times and ten times in all three of his starts, and you're giving me a six and a half still of plus money? It seems a little bit fishy and a little too low. Manoa's averaging just under eight strikeouts per game against teams with a top 15 K rate against right-handed pitchers. Could Manoa go over this? Sure. Do you want to take advantage of a great number? Sure. It's plus money to the over. Then it just scares me a bit that it's the same matchup back-to-back for Manoa, and it's a very low number for someone that struck out the Rays at least nine times in all three of his starts against them. And that's the first area I looked on the strikeout K-Prop board today, but then I saw that the Tampa Bay Rays over the last two weeks have the ninth lowest K-rate against right-handed pitching at only 20.2%. And I was like, ooh, I don't know if I want to go with Alec Manoa, although he has struck out the Rays a ton this year. Sometimes with K-Props, you have a pitcher that's really in command and is a strikeout pitcher that can go over numbers just by himself, even against good teams that don't strike out a ton. It's worth a sprinkle, so maybe the plus money does entice you to the over, but the Tampa Bay Rays have not struck out a ton here in the last two weeks, 20.2%. What I will say, Ariel, which I think is interesting at the moment, when you look across the Major League Baseball board right now, with so much attention to football, both college football and the NFL, some of the games that might be a little bit sharper in the prop component would be the games that feature teams that will factor into the postseason, especially the Toronto Blue Jays, who are battling for one of those two wildcard spots in the AL. Maybe that's a sharper number than, like, the Twins and the Cubs. I'm not entirely sure. That's just me guessing here and speculating. So it's interesting to see that number as low as it is on Alec Manoa at six and a half. Might be worth a sprinkle just because of the plus money to the over. And Alec Manoa does have the strikeout potential to certainly go over and get you seven strikeouts. For sure. But it, to me, it might be, just be a stay away spot, even though I would die if I like saw that he goes over and has another 10 strikeout game. I'd say, oh, gosh, like I'm so dumb. Just like take advantage of a good number, Ariel. I'm probably staying away if it doesn't hit. Then I'll be even more mad if I did bet it. Yeah, this is just better's mentality. Just don't listen to me right now. Uh, anyway, 
I am probably not really on a side today. I don't really like anything on the board. Maybe a Washington-Miami under just because Washington has been more profitable to unders. Toronto-Tampa Bay is an interesting game that I probably would also stay away from. Again, Tampa Bay is going to be tough for me, Ben, because Tampa Bay throughout the next four series that they have, how much do they really care? They know they already pretty much locked up the American League East. How are you going to approach betting teams that already know they're in the playoffs? The Rays are interesting. A three-and-a-half game lead for the top spot in the American League playoff picture over the Houston Astros, who are on the road today in Anaheim, home to the second-highest overs in all of Major League Baseball, more than 60%. Anaheim starter today, or the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim starter today, Packy Naughton. I just wanted to make sure I got in that name before. I would take it over, by the way, between the Astros and the Angels. Love it. And we just got breaking news, too. Terod Taylor officially out for Thursday night football, mm. according to the Houston Texans. They're up against the Carolina Panthers on Thursday. Coming up next, one of the sharpest men in Las Vegas, Bill Krakenberger, to give you a gambling 101. Stay- SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back on the morning after on Sports Grid, it is Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. We're going to be joined shortly by one of the sharpest men in Vegas, Bill Krakenberger. However, first, Ben, we've gone through now the first two weeks of the NFL season. Which trends have stood out to you? I think... For- First and foremost, when you look at the trend-wise, it's got to be the underdogs hitting in the potential that they are. 12-4, and four, as we knew, in week number one with a ton of outright wins. 9-7 and seven in week number two with five outright wins, all pretty much coming on third, or on Friday, I should say. Or Friday, excuse me. On Sunday, those five outright wins. So I think the underdogs in the clip they've been hitting so far this year, the winning percentage for them against the spread, and then sprinkle in some plus money on that money line too for those outright winners. I think the underdogs have been the strongest trend through two weeks throughout the NFL season. Underdogs have been a trend, and at some point you have to imagine that Everyone who's betting these parlays are gonna, it's gonna come down to. Like, I saw week one, there were a lot of people that were publicly betting that they bet these parlays, they took the easy way out, and they said, oh, yeah, these teams have to win. They have to. And now we've entered week three of the season where there are certain teams that we thought we knew. And even like the Houston Texans, for me, the Houston Texans were the team week one. I said, Jacksonville Jaguars, no, I'm gonna bet Houston. This past week against the Cleveland Browns, I was excited to see what we were going to get out of the Texans against a legitimate playoff contender. And then you get the injury to Terod Taylor, which we just found out that he is not going to be playing on Thursday Night Football for the Houston Texans. He's going to have to play. uh, Excuse me. He's not going to be playing. So Carolina coming into town and this spread is still sitting at seven and a half. So I'm very interested because it's a primetime game. People want to bet Thursday Night Football. We've had some great primetime games to start the season. And now how much is this line going to move once the public finds out that a good Carolina defense is going up against a team without a quarterback? And the Texans announced Deshaun Watson will not be activated despite the loss of Terod Taylor. 
I hope we have Bill Grackenberger. I think we should be having him ready and set to go any minute now. We want to talk about some primetime games with Crack because primetime overs have been something to keep an eye on, especially when you've got these high-scoring games. You've got the Green Bay Packers, who just put up 35 last night, the Vegas Raiders and Baltimore Ravens last week in Monday Night Football. Crack, what does the risk look like for the books when these games continue to fly over in primetime spots? Yeah, hi. Hey, guys. Uh, you know, it, it's a great subject because, you know, I, I bet a lot of props. 90% of my betting uh, during the NFL season, that sounds crazy. It's 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 got to be at least, it's probably 80 to 90% is on proposition bets. I mean, I bet sheets and sheets and sheets of props. Um, and let's face it, a lot of those props are on the unders. So um, these high-scoring games typically aren't so good to me. I can't even believe I'm actually uh, about even. Um, last night was good. It was I went 3-0 last night, but that, that's probably why on, on my crack, crack wins releases. Uh, when I have games that score 59, 60, 60, 71, I think, or 73, and then 48 last night, they scored 54. I mean, these games are, are really... Um, out of control primetime totals and you know um it just it's just some variance in the nfl that that this has happened as we see during the week there are games that um of course went under but these primetime games you almost want to think that their players are getting themselves so pumped up on offense and it's all about me 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 offense 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 um there's also some defensive errors on, on a lot of these games that uh that, that add up to a lot of offensive points. But uh, what I wanted to say about this is the sports books would have to over-adjust, and that means the originating sports book, they'll have to over-adjust, and probably you're going to see an extra half a point to a point to who knows. If they're marquee primetime teams, maybe they'll even be a point and a half extra, which I think they'll be – uh, listen, we're only in, we only have two weeks of football to go by, but that normally means three primetime games a week, six games. So, uh, we only have, we're only talking about a small sampling of six games. This is not going to be, uh, for the entire season. And I think there will be, um, probably some value, uh, on a couple of games here and there to, to play the unders on, uh, when you see all these marquee games, a lot, of, a lot of scoring happening like they are. Um, I'm interested to see what happens this week. We have a, a lower total on the, uh, the Thursday night game. Of course, next weekend, we're up there with giant totals already on the primetime games. Big big Monday night game with Dallas and Washington. I think it's like 51 and a half. So we're uh, not Dallas and Washington, Dallas and Philly. So we're, we're going to see what's going to happen in these games. But I do expect a little bit of a correction uh, again, it's only a real small sampling, but the public loves to bet over. So uh, all those little bets, you know, I, I like when you see these sites that say so much percentage of people bet this and that. Well, if that was a real guide to a winner, then they're not going to tell you. They're not giving you the keys to their safe. So all these places that uh, put up the percentage of public has bet this. Or, I, I, I want to know where the percentage of the, the money is bet, actually, more than the actual number of tickets, writing five to one tickets on the over or something. I want to know where the 
the money has went. And I, I also want to know where the sharp money has went on the totals because there is a sharp side to totals, absolutely. Total, totals are beatable. Um, the sides are, are, like I always say, very tough to beat. I could beat teasers. I could beat totals. I could destroy proposition bets in the NFL. And, um, you know, it's real simple about the prop bets. People ask me, well, why? I did an interview yesterday, uh, the other day. And as you notice, I have a little suit jacket on here. I'm getting ready to go on, on <laughs> film and, and I'm talking about right when I'm done here. Talk about, believe it or not, prop bets. And uh, I'll, I'll, let's use the Fandle. Why can I beat prop bets? Well, when I have a sports book, like a FanDuel, putting up roughly 200 different ways to bet the Monday night game, and one of those something, that's probably low. Uh, it's, it's hard for them to get every single one right. It's hard for them to have an analytically mathematical-based formula to come up with 200-plus different ways to bet a game and a prop bet on a Monday night. So I'd like to exploit the little holes in the weakness uh, uh, of the sports book. I know, hard to believe it's a weakness, especially sometimes these books use too much juice on their lines. Uh, uh, money lines and stuff are too high. Even the prop bets sometimes are a little too high. But I'm finding that uh, there's still some really good value uh, on the proposition bets because there's so much volume that they have uh, I, it, it's, it's beatable. The proof's in the pudding. I go to the counter to bet, you know, a, a proposition bet, and I'm going to get limited to maybe a thousand bucks. By the way, that's what they were giving me a thousand dollars at the FanDuel at the Bally's, which is, which is, I'm real happy with that, by the way. But if I go to bet an NFL side on a game, whatever you want, whatever you can carry to the counter, you can bet on an NFL game. A proposition bet. They'll maybe take a dime, and I'm like right now. I'm I'm very happy with the uh, the, the counter over at uh, Bally's here in uh, Atlantic City. It's it's uh, it's really it's it's actually a pleasant surprise to see. I walk around the casinos and see them wanting to take bets in New Jersey, unlike Las Vegas, where I'll walk in at some of these places and they're so scared that I'm going to the counter to bet something they offer instead of being happy for someone to come in and correct their lines or bet something that, you know, that they should just move or over move and get the customers on the other side of my opinion. If you think I'm that good, that's not the way it is in Vegas. Most places in Vegas are like, Oh God, this guy's coming in. He's got to, he's got to bet us. We can't just have the suckers and the squares come in. Um, so unbelievably, and this is the biggest shock that I'd say to everyone. And I'm going to talk about it today on a couple of different shows. Um, yes, I come to New Jersey to bet sports and I live in Nevada. I make my residency in Nevada. People say, what? That can't be. It's the sports betting capital of the world. Well, that's what you want. That's what the, they wanted. That's the image they want. They want the big gambling capital of the world. But uh, in, in reality, back to the real world, uh, New Jersey is the sports capital of the United States. Yeah, crack. Since 2019, actually, New Jersey overtook Las Vegas as the highest gross bet uh, betting handle going back to 2019. So, crack, you're talking about those totals, especially for Thursday night games on a short week. A lot of people expect an uglier game. That's why we see smaller totals for those games. For this Thursday night, the Panthers and the Texans, the total down there at only 43 in the hook. So, how do you approach betting the total for a Thursday night game on a short week? Well, first of all, sh uh, short weeks are something that's probably talked about too much and 
too much thought process going in to people always say it's a short week. Oh, my God. This team is traveling from across the country to this. These guys are professional players. It's not like uh, not like they live in Colorado and they're not going to be acclimated to the climate because they're going somewhere. I mean, these guys are, are, are the toughest guys in the world. These NFL players, they're, they're you know picked out of millions of players to be a starting player in the NFL. Obviously, you can get over stuff like that of having a short week. It's not like you're playing on Monday and you're banged up and then you have no time to heal and then you're playing Thursday. You're playing Sunday. All right. So, you know, you got you got a couple days in between. I do understand to rest. That extra day does help, believe it or not. And um, I think it's overly hyped. I think it, I think people talk about it and make too much out of a, a Thursday game. But you have a point with the totals. Um, this total is going to be the lowest out of all of the, the, the primetime games that we've had. And it may even be the lowest out of all the primetime games going forward for the whole season. So uh, I actually expect probably towards game time uh, some, some over money. I, I probably expect some over money to come in because the public loves betting over. Listen, who goes to the sports book and, and just sits back and, says, and just doesn't run over? No, no scoring. Everyone's screaming, yelling, having a beer, chugging and stuff. Hey, man, scoring. I understand it. I get it. I really do. You're having fun. You're with your friends. Um, but that's not, that's not what I do. I, I, I'm, an un, I'm mostly a uh, – well, uh, no, that's wrong. I'm going to say I'm mostly an under guy. That's really for, for college basketball and college football. Um, in the NFL, I have no problem. I had two overs the other day. I split one and one on Sunday. And um, just this morning, uh, I, I bet an over on a game. So I have no problem. With, with betting overs on, on NFL games. And not, not like it was years ago. Um, it, it, you know, we're in, a, we're in a different time. I was just trying to say, yeah, I bet Tampa Bay and the Rams this morning over 54 and a half, 55. Mm-hmm. And um, I, it sounds crazy, over 55. That's that's nuts. There, that, that was like five years ago, that would have been like the highest total of the year, of the whole season. Now, it, it may not even be the highest of the week. That's the, That's the difference in the NFL now compared to years ago. So I'm interested to see what happens on Thursday night. Lowest total of the season um, on a marquee game, and it probably will be the whole season. Um, interested to see what happens. I wouldn't be surprised to see the game go over. I didn't bet it, and I'm probably not going to bet it. I'm just looking at um, what the public does, and, and the public's fickle. They love betting over. So the value may even be on the under come coming uh, kickoff time. We'll see. Bill Krakenberger, you always come on with the greatest gambling 101, and I love learning something from you every time that you come on here on a trusted Capper Tuesday. If you need more of Krakenberger, you got to go to Crack Wins app. It's where all of his information is and some great picks like he just gave one out for his Rams pick. Thank you so much, Crack, and we'll see you again next week. Thank you. See you next week. Bye now. Best bets up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
final segment on the morning after on Sports Grid. Thanks for tuning in on Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. It's time for our best bets of the day. Let's get to to bet to us part. The Kansas City Royals are road dogs at the Cleveland Indians. Who cares about sides? I'm going with the K-Prop. The Kansas City Royals have been so consistent in not striking out. That's where we're going to attack today. The Royals have the third lowest K-rate in baseball. They also have the fifth lowest strikeout rate against right-handed pitchers. In addition to the K-rate going down to under 20% in the last month. That's really low. The Cleveland Indians right-handed pitcher Cal Quantrill's on the mound today. He averages just over four strikeouts a game against teams with a bottom 10K rate against righties. I'm going with the under five and a half strikeouts for Cal Quantrill today. Ben, what do you got? Ariel, you're going with an under. I'm going to an over of a strikeout prop that has so much plus money on the over. I have to take it. Josh Rogers, the starter for the Washington Nationals today against the Miami Marlins. His strikeout prop is four and a half. The over is plus 152. I might be crazy or this might just work with a sprinkle to the over because Josh Rogers, a lefty, is facing the Miami Marlins that have the highest strikeout rate against left-handed pitching at 28.1% this year in all of Major League Baseball. In the last two weeks, that goes up to over 30% against left-handed pitching. Josh Rogers has three starts this year for the Nats. He has gone over this number four and a half in two of those three starts, including six strikeouts against the Miami Marlins in his most recent start. Maybe that's why the number's so low and there is so much plus money to the over, but a plus 152, it begs me to do it. I must do it. Josh Rogers over four and a half strikeouts. The over plus 152 has to happen, Ariel. Just does. Taking advantage of a good number, Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here on the morning after on Sports Grid. For Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. We're going to be back tomorrow at 9 a.m. Eastern Time here on The Grid, always trying to give you the edge. Good luck to your bets tonight. Don't ruin your bankroll if you won this weekend with the NFL. Stay on The Grid. Are you one of us? We've just got one question. Do you like games? We do. 